All right, guys, welcome back. I'm Ernie Flores, and this is Lazy Stoner Active Stoner. Become the successful person you always wanted to be while keeping it lit. So today's topic is actually a very interesting one. Um, we're going to go ahead and talk about the past. Uh, some people say that we should let go of the past, but in this case, is is always good to remember uh, your history so you know where you're coming from, as our good friend Bob Marley used to say. Um, so we're going to go ahead and talk about the 19th century cannabis parlors, which existed back in the 1800s, late 1800s, when the cannabis culture was accepted among the peoples. Of course, the peoples back then was not the peoples as today, but I mean, uh, it was a very close ethnic accepted group, but um, they did um, accept it. Um, before we talk about that, though, uh, we kind of have to talk about the, the history of hemp. Um, so for those of you that don't, are not really, really familiarized with the works of uh, Jack Herrer, um, we're going to go ahead and discuss a little bit of what he uh, advocated for so much. So a brief history of hemp. America, the greatest, established on libertarian principles and freedom of religion, seemed like a promising canvas in which one could paint the greatest civilization a mortal being has ever lived to see. We used to thrive in the wealthiest of economies, back when we did not wear clothes made of mylon, nor latex, back when we did not have drones, back when we did not have phones, nor cars, nor the internet. Back in a time when our paper, clothing, and many of our ordinary things were made out of hemp. Back in a dark era, when we mistakenly allowed a defenseless minority to carry on the burden of a civilization's hard work. Based on biased and racist motives, and for this our economy is still paying the price, and will continue to pay the price until each one of its members, individually, thrives and becomes the best version of themselves, in order to benefit themselves and the whole. For America to recover the economic strength, we must aid the defenseless minorities that in our era are now represented by different ethnic and cultural marginalized groups. In order to recover America's full greatness, it is imperative to understand that in the words of the world's greatest economist, Adam Smith, no society can surely be flourishing and happy when most of its people are poor and miserable. That, I believe in essence, is the purpose of the enlightened and active stoner. Let us never again commit the crimes of the past, for we have our history to learn from. It will now be almost a hundred years ever since the criminalization and demonization of the cannabis plant began. Although we experience a lack of liberty when growing, transporting, exporting, or ingesting mentioned plant, this was only a collateral effect, for it all began as a political tactic from several spheres, not targeting at all its medical benefits or THC therapeutic properties, but targeting the nature of the plant itself. For the new century had brought within new commodities and new plastic technologies. That in the next couple of decades we would learn that these commodities made of fossil fuels would come at a very high cost. There are several factors involved in the decay of the cannabis plant in the history of the United States. For hemp was a very strong and important raw material, 
very commonly utilized back in the mid and late 1800s. Ever since European settlers established in the Americas, the use of hemp was habitual. This plant was well known as a multi-purpose crop that was standardized for almost 300 years. In 1619, King James I from England decreed that the American colonists of Jamestown would need to produce more hemp in an attempt to step up efforts to their share towards supporting the motherland, being hemp a highly demanded material at the time. England also requested more hemp trade from India, and this allowed English businessmen from India to leverage without paying proper taxes while taking advantage of local corrupt governments that allowed them to exploit the workforce. This went on for decades. Even when the United States was founded, the colonists would grow it to support its expansion of the Americas. Cannabis cultivation played a central role in the establishment of the United States, for it was used for paper, fibers, and wood replacement. Even George Washington, the first American president, grew hemp at Mount Vernon as one of his three primary crops. The use of hemp for rope and fabric became ubiquitous. There were no regulations on the importation of Indian hemp, also known as hashish, due to the fact that the amount of hemp produced in the U.S. at the time was not sufficient to sustain the growing popular demand. According to the 1912 edition of Swedish Encyclopedia, Nordstik Familie Jabok, the European hemp grown for its fibers lacks the THC content that characterizes Indian hemp. But since the 1850s, medicinal preparation of cannabis started to kick off in American pharmacies. Following an introduction to its use in Western medicine by William O'Shaughnessy, a decade earlier in 1839, and so the era of medical cannabis began. By 1853, recreational cannabis was listed as a fashionable narcotic and a popular stabilizer, although of private matter very commonly accepted among the high classes. So, if we had a time machine, and we were able to travel 100 years before the retro era, before the 1980s. We could experience the real OG best time in marijuana's recreational history, until our era, of course. But let's dive back into the 18-1800s for a second, when the Oriental-style hashish parlors were flourishing alongside, unfortunately, opium dance. The hype was such a hit in the era that one could find at least one in every major city on the East Coast. In the 1800s, one was able to choose from 500 such establishments in New York alone, as described in an article that we will go ahead and read right now, in Harper's Magazine of 1883, attributed to Harry Humble Kane describing a hashish house in the New York frequented by a large clientele, including males and females of the better classes. And further talks about parlors in Boston, Philadelphia, and Chicago. For those of you that don't know, um, Harper's Magazine um, is a really, really old magazine. Um, it has been longer, long way before than, than even Times Magazine or Rolling Stones or Men's Health or any other magazine that, you, that you've heard of. 
um, maybe probably if you've never heard of, of, of this magazine before, but I mean, you guys have to remember that back in the 1880s, uh, magazines were like um, apps, you know, everyone read the newspaper, but uh, young intellectuals um, preferred uh, what was called periodicals. Um, and well, those are magazines technically, you know, so, uh, they became pretty popular, uh, and it was a, a very, very, uh, used source of, um, to, to share information, uh, or share, uh, cur curious, uh, facts and whatnot. Um, so we're going to go ahead and read this, um, this article while we smoke this blunt well we have to roll it first so while i roll and smoke my blunt i will go ahead and read this um this article which is it's a conversation between someone that he he knew in new york uh and while he he was visiting the city uh in november of 1883 um he um well he went to visit uh this this hashish um, house he what's what what i really like about this um about this article is that uh it, it shows how in the beginning he didn't really think about me in new york um but i think that's something that we all go go through but personally when i uh before i started smoking pot around uh six almost six years ago um i was uh incredulous about it you know i was um well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't look forward to, to, to smoking it, you know, I just thought it wasn't for me, uh, I just thought, uh, it made you, um, slow, probably, you know, some, some cases that I, I, I knew some other friends of mine that were hooked up in, into other, other things, so I, I mistakenly linked it to, to, like, any other drug, you know, just like the federal government linked it to, um, classified it along with uh lsd and along with uh heroin and uh, other narcotics you know which is is wrong you know uh, at the end of the time at the end of the day my bad um it's something that uh, it's worth looking at into uh and it's worth exploring for your own benefit all right so let's go ahead and talk about this um as i roll my blunt uh, i invite you if you haven't already started sparking it to join me on this beautiful session um, and imagine uh, the scene on this uh, it's 1883 November so it's probably cold as hell in New York City uh, there were no cars yet there were no there was barely any electricity um, it was a, a very rare commodity actually back then in, in that time um, but just try to imagine it kind of like a Sherlock Holmes uh, scenery, like the Robert Downey Jr. one. <laughs> um, so, a hashish house in New York, the curious adventures of an individual who indulged in a few pipefuls of the narcotic hemp. Harry Humble Kane, November 1883, Harper's Monthly Magazine. And so you think that opium smoking, as seen in foul cellars of Mott Street and elsewhere, is the form of narcotic indulgence of any consequence in this city, and that hashish, if used at all, experimentally, 
by a few scattered individuals? That certainly is my opinion, and I consider myself fairly well informed. Well, you are far from right, as I can prove to you if you care to inform yourself more fully on the subject, there is a large community of hashish smokers in this city who are daily forced to indulge their morbid appetites, and I can take you to a house uptown where hemp is used in every conceivable form, and where the lights, sounds, orders, and surroundings are all arranged so as to intensify and enhance the effects of this wonderful narcotic. I must confess I'm still incredulous. Well, if it is agreeable to you, meet me at the Hoffman House reading room tomorrow night at 10 o'clock, and I think I shall be able to convince you. The above is the substance of a conversation that took place in the lobby of the downtown hotel between the writer of these lines and a young man about 38 years of age, known to me for some years past as an opium smoker. It was through his kindness that I had first gained access to and had been able to study up the subject of opium smoking. Hence, I really anticipated seeing some interesting phases of hemp indulgence and was not disappointed. The following evening, at precisely 10 o'clock, I met the young man at the Hoffman house, and together we took a Broadway car uptown, left it at 42nd Street, and walked rapidly toward the North River, talking as we went. You will probably be greatly surprised at many things you will see tonight, he said, just as I was when I was first introduced into the place by a friend. I have traveled over most of Europe and have smoked opium in every joint in America, but never saw anything so curious as this. No experience any intoxication so fascinating yet terrible as that of hashish. Terrible? Hmm. It's awesome. <laughs> Are the habitudes of this place of the same class as those who frequent the opium smoking drives? This guy wants to know um, is if the habits of hashish smokers are the same uh, of the people that smoke um, opium. And the reason for this is because, well, we have to understand, like, right now, what we, ha what we have of opium, you know, we, we, we have uh, several public health issues with, with opium. We've had for several centuries now. Um, and it probably started back then, you know, like, opium uh, has been smoked for a lot of time by a lot of people. Uh, then we have her heroin, and then now we have fentanyl. Um, all of these uh, things that are causing uh, public health issues. Um, and not only that, but causing a lot of people to destroy their lives um, professionally, romantically, and uh, and just destroy their life generally, you know, and, and no one really wants that. Uh, so if it's out of hand, um, it shouldn't happen. So that's why it's a public health issue, rather. Uh, well, going back to this, though, so this guy is asking if the, the habits of the people that smoke marijuana is the same uh, as the people that do opium. Uh, and this is what the, the, his friend uh, responds him. By no means, they are about evenly divided between Americans and foreigners. 
indeed, the place is kept by a Greek, who has invested great deal of money in it, and all of the visitors, both male and female, are of better classes, and absolute secrecy is the rule. So it was like a kind of fight club thing here. <laughs> the house has been opened about two years, I believe, and the number of regular habitus is daily of the increase. So it's getting bigger by the day, right? Um, so I really like how they talked before, you know, like um, English is obviously not my first language. Um, I'm a, I'm a Mexican American. I'm a Chicano, proud Chicano, uh, and so I was I was born in, in Spanish first, you know. But then when I, I started going to school, and then I started like having friends, and then started talking English, you know. But I really like and enjoy how how they talked English back then. Um, it's interesting. Are you one of the number? He asks. I am and find the intoxication far pleasanter and less hurtful than that from opium. Ah, here we are. Ah, I kind of want to make me roll my joint now, my blunt. So I'm going to smoke um, Swisher Minis uh, Cigarillos, um, Swisher Sweets, diamond flavor, because I like diamonds. Um, all right. We paused before a gloomy-looking house, entered the gate, and passed up the steps. The windows were absolutely dark, and the entranceway looked dirty and desolate. Four pulls at the bell, a pause, and one more pull were followed by a few moments' silence, broken suddenly by the sound of falling chain, rasping bolt, and the grinding of a key in the lock. The outer door was cautiously opened, and at a word from my companion, we passed into the vestibule. The outer door was carefully closed by someone who I could not distinguish in the utter darkness, and a moment later in the inner door was opened, and never shall I forget the impression produced by the sudden change from total darkness to the strange scene that my eyes met. The dark vestibule was the boundary line separating the cold, dreary streets and the ordinary world from a scene of oriental magnificence. I imagine this this place like uh, I don't know if, if uh, you guys have ever visited uh, a uh, hookah place, a hookah hookah lounge. You know, they usually have uh, very comfortable seating, and you can just like chill there, and then. Um, uh, it's pretty like oriental, you know, like they have all this um, this orders and they have all these um, teas and <laughs> it's really nice. Um, I remember I went with a buddy of mine um, in Ensenada, Baja California once uh, and it was really cool. It was really, really cool. If you ever happen to visit Ensenada, I totally recommend visiting that hookah shop. Um, it doesn't really have a sign or a name outside. Um, it's, it's right around the corner from Papa's and Beer. So if you ever happen to visit Ensenada, totally go there, have a have a tea. Uh, he sells uh, really good milk teas. He also gives the option of uh, adding a salvia to the to the hookah, uh, but I mean that's up to you. You know, I personally don't don't like it, uh, so I, I didn't uh, do it. But I mean, 
there's some people that, that do like that, that 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 trip you know so um going back to the read here um on what mr harry humble Kane went through in this uh wonderful experience uh we're gonna go ahead and find out on next episode because our time is up actually so um Please follow us and share uh, this uh, segment if you enjoy it. Uh, also, if you enjoy uh, the story, we're going to go ahead and find out um, everything on part two of the 19th century cannabis parlors on episode four. So go ahead and hit next if you're really curious to find out what Mr. Harry Humble Kane went through in this wonderful experience. Um, once again, my name is Ernie Flores, and this is Lacey Stoner, Active Stoner. Thank you so much for listening.